Yes, we are back with another edition of the Sock Takes Pod, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. This is episode number 60, the big 6-0. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston, KJ. Just a, a, a one-man hosting crew tonight. No other sock takers on the panel, but I got two great guests. We're doing something a little bit different tonight. We like to, you know, vary things up for, um, every now and again. So this whole episode is going to be focused specifically on one topic, which is one of my favorite things, MLS fantasy. I've long been a fantasy guru. I uh, love sports betting, DFS, played every fantasy game under the sun. So um, I'm a huge gamer. Also, you know, I love just card games, Hold'em, Euchre. So a bit of a fantasy degenerate. And I'm joined by two fellow expert fantasy degenerates, Reed Connolly. You probably know him as the MLS fantasy boss. He's a contributor for MLSsoccer.com and also has his own excellent fantasy-focused podcast. Reed, thanks so much for joining us, and how's it going? My pleasure. Uh, it's going pretty well tonight. Thanks. And our other guest is the champion, the actually the back-to-back champion, now that the MLS fantasy season is split up in between the spring and the fall. So this guy swept both the spring and the fall seasons in our Sock Takes League in 2018. He also took home the grand prize as the top overall finisher in the spring game, number one in the global game. It's Todd Modisette. How's it going, Todd? Uh, doing good. It's quite an introduction. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I think I just I just asked you if, it, if it's Modisette or Modisette, and of course I just said Modisette, and you said Modisette, <laughs> so it's Modisette for, for our listeners out there. Um, the question I'll pitch to both of you guys to start thing off, start things off, and I'll start with you, Reed. Um, you're you're in a bit of an envious position, I guess. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> out there might, um, you know, would love to have a job where they can cover fantasy sports for a living. You know, that's kind of I know. Like when I was in my 20s, I was like, man, if I could just write, you know, about like if I could be like a, a Yahoo writer for uh, NFL fantasy, that would be like the dream job or whatever. So. Uh, what exactly was your path um, into what some might call a dream job? Uh, well, I guess I would just call it a, a series of fortunate events, and it's really actually more of a of a side hustle and a, and a hobby. Uh, for me, it all starts back in 2014 when I got into Fantasy Premier League, and I also uh, finally got my own place, and I was like, you know what? I am going to watch soccer because I love it. I've never been able to really get my parents to, to buy subscriptions to things, and I'm going to watch it. So I got into EPL, and I got into MLS that year. And I was like, this is really fun, but I don't know anything. So I started playing fantasy and it was great for fantasy Premier League. And I started looking around for MLS because I this is what I really want to watch. I want to watch my league and I couldn't find anything. And I was like, well, that sucks. I said, well, you know what? I'll just I'll just do it myself. And so a buddy and I at work just started kind of fooling around with stuff. And he was not as into it as I was. And so I kept going. And uh, the next year, I got a, an email from Andrew Wiebe and asked if I wanted to do some uh, some writing for them. And I was actually thinking about this today, how I responded to him. I was like, wow, I, I, I didn't know that you actually looked at stuff that I did. He was like, well, that's part of my job. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I feel <laughs> silly now. Uh, but, uh, of course, now his job does not involve fantasy, and we all clearly know know how, how the wooden spoon Weeby goes. But, uh, I mean, from there, Weeby gave me my first shot, and I just started writing some of the, the tips and picks articles that are on the website, as, as people saw, and uh, the MLS soccer website. And then I just started doing my own website and have the r slash fantasy MLS subreddit community that started to grow. And it and it just kind of snowballed from there with finding more interest and and getting in with the the early MLS fantasy insider podcast 
podcast guys that only lasted a year and making good enough friends with them to let me take over after they left. So, I mean, it, it's really just, like I said, a, a series of fortunate events. And you said it was kind of your your side gig. Are all those things together, everything you do, or is the website you run, the podcast, and being a part-time contributor for Endless Soccer, is that uh, all your gigs, or do you have a, another nine-to-five separate from soccer? Oh, yeah, I have a real-person job, uh, and so <laughs> I do. I, I laugh whenever you said envious because <laughs> it, it might seem really cool, and you probably know a little bit of this, but once you like sit down with all the work that you put into it, that's just really fun with doing the podcast, keeping the website up, moderating the forum, trying to get some of the supplemental materials that we have, plus meeting the deadlines with the incredibly tight Wednesday schedules that we have, especially this season with uh, Major League Soccer. It, it uh, is truly a labor at love at times, and I'm very blessed to have a very understanding wife. <laughs> and Todd, how about you? What was your path to uh, the top of the MLS fantasy kingdom? Uh, so before about five years ago, when I first tried MLS soccer, I really had next to no MLS knowledge. I was big into fantasy football, baseball, and basketball. I had done that since college, got into leagues, a lot of money leagues, really into it. And then I have a couple of friends who are Houston Dynamo season ticket holders who wanted to start up a group in the MLS fantasy. And I didn't really know more than maybe about four to five players at the time. I thought since I was big in another fantasy, so I would go ahead, give it a try. And in that first league, I actually skipped the week one because I didn't get around to it, but I still finished, I think, 53rd overall. And so that seemed like, well, maybe I can give this a try and see how I do putting a full season into it, setting up a little more. And then the next season, I made the top 10. So then this was a, definitely a commitment for, hey, this is fun. I'm actually learning all these players now. And so just gained a bit of knowledge there, a bit of knowledge there until last season, it all came together for the number one spot in the spring. So that was a pretty fun ride from starting as someone who didn't know anything into really getting into it and being able to have some success. And Todd, you've guessed it before on Reed's podcast. I, I gave that a listen. Maybe it's been about six months or so, so I don't remember every detail, but um, I recall there being kind of an interesting story. If you could take us back to the final week, approaching the final week of the spring season, um, it sounded like a lot of a lot of participants were right there in contention with you. So, what was kind of your what was going through your head? Um, what what place were you in entering the final week, and what ultimately what choices ended up kind of being the difference that pushed you over the hump? So, in the final week, I had been number one in the number one spot for about seven weeks or so, but it started getting really tight. And so there's definitely a lot of pressure there to not blow the lead that I had had. I know the second place had their own fantasy podcast and was talking a little smack going up to that. And right into that moment was since that was the first year where they split the spring and the fall seasons, there was a little confusion about when the season was going to actually end. So there's a little drama of thinking that I might be the number one after one week. And then, oh, we have one more week, and it's a double game week. So there's going to be points everywhere. <laughs> so that ended up coming all down to the captain of Lodero versus Zlatan. And Zlatan went crazy and cut the lead right up to about four or five points. And Lodero was an injury doubt. And so on the last night of games, I had a small lead, but uh, while the main games were going on, I just went and saw a movie. I'm like, I can't deal with this, checking my phone every minute to see how the score has changed. And came out with a lead and luckily held on to that number one spot and had fun there. 
Awesome. Well, congrats again on that victory last year. Uh, we're going to obviously talk heavily about week one specifically. Also, maybe some general stuff for the for the full 2019 um, spring and fall season. But um, first, I, I, I just drafted a team, kind of a preliminary team. I'm sure that I will change. Um, and I kind of I, I looked around at the new format. Uh, and I guess this question is for you, Reed, but it doesn't seem like there are too many changes this year. So maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong. I noticed one thing that was kind of convenient is now you can filter when you're choosing your players, you can filter by the double game week players. So oh, yeah. that seems like a very convenient um, little upgrade. Um, beyond that, I didn't see too many things different. Uh, so Reed, is, is there anything else really different this year in the game? Uh, I say there's one significant difference and then everything else just kind of boils down the quality of life. Uh, the, the biggest change is the maximum player cap that you can have uh, per each team on your fantasy team. So in years past, it's been four. So you could have four players uh, from each team. Now it's just three. And uh, I think this is an easy change to just glance over, but it could have big impacts, especially for those people who used to maybe load up one person every position. But now you have to really decide, do you want to double up on defense or double up on offensive threat? So uh, four to three is the biggest change. The double game week tab that you mentioned is that tick box is is fantastic. There's been an adjustment to the price change uh, formula. Uh, it's it's not released. They don't release that kind of information, but it's supposed to have more emphasis on uh, early form and results versus later on versus what it was last year. Uh, last year we kind of had that rolling three and five week average thing going on, uh, so they've tweaked that just a little bit. And uh, maybe something that people have not noticed because we're not really doing anything yet, but you can now share your team through social. So Facebook and, and Twitter, you have an easy button to share. You don't have to do any of these weird screenshot manipulations anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Nice. And I'll pitch this question to both of you. I'll, we'll start with you, Todd. Uh, what do you consider to be uh, some of the general tenets of your MLS fantasy philosophy? For example, you know, I'll, I'll state maybe two of the obvious ones. You know, Always try to stock up on the double game week players, uh, favor some of the you know, players playing at home because obviously those teams are generally favored to win and thus score more points. So beyond those two uh, captain obvious things, uh, Todd, what do you consider to be just some of the basics, the, the foundation of your MLS fantasy philosophy? Uh, so one thing I started doing last year, a lot more than previous years, and I think it really helped is just checking out the betting lines for the games each week, because you never know, like your initial thoughts, you might think one team's really, really good right now. One team's struggling, but uh, the Vegas betters, they always seem to have that down pretty well. So I always check those. And that's a good way to start the foundation of the teams that are really favored to win. You might consider loading up on those. And beyond that, uh, it's a pretty simple one, but if you can find points per 90, that's a better average than just like the average points that you see on the site. Because when players sit out for 15 minutes a game and it drags down their average, it doesn't really mean they're a bad player. They were just resting. So that's a good thing for to check. But the, definitely I would think for the Vegas odds for the game weeks, helps you see which matchups are really the best. Reed, anything to add to that? Uh, for me, a couple of little bits that I would add are uh, you don't need an expensive keeper. Uh, I think that's that sometimes people – get their blinders on and take a look at those 6.0 million or higher keepers as the season go on. Uh, but there's really not a huge difference between the, the top scoring keeper and then the guys that, that come up in that middle 
top five, top eight kind of range there. I mean, it might be 30 points, and for some people that that could be a significant amount, but for what the pricing can end up being, a 5 million or a 5.5 million uh, can oftentimes do just as well as some of the 6.0s, if not better than the majority of the 6.0s. So don't worry about chasing those. And, and then keep an eye on bonus point production for uh, defenders. Um, Defense has always been kind of strange with with MLS. Uh, at their early part of the season, sometimes it's better, and then people figure it all out in the late part of the season, or they pull a Seattle and just turn it on at the end and just just coast at, at the very beginning. Um, so you can't always count on those clean sheets. So look at the bonus point production that your defenders are giving you, because sometimes those bread and butter stats right there, uh, the the crosses, the key passes for the for the wingers, and the clearances and the blocks and interceptions for those big center backs can really help add up during a game to make up for not getting a clean sheet. And let's get a little specific, I guess, into the, the week one matchups. I was sizing up, you know, with with keeping in mind that, you know, managers such as us tend to favor players playing at home. I guess I'll start by saying one matchup I really liked um, until proven otherwise, I think you still have to kind of fade Orlando City SC. They did kind of revamp the defense a little bit, but it was just epically bad last year. On paper, it doesn't look incredibly stellar, at least right now, uh, this year. So I kind of looking at NYCFC as one of the road teams. I might pluck a few guys from um, maybe Maxi Morales, for example. Uh, besides that, I was looking at some favorable home matchups, and I kind of liked, um, I think maybe Seattle jumps off the page, playing the expansion team that has to travel a couple time zones. Mm. Um, and also kind of like Houston, Philly, LA Galaxy, and Vancouver a little bit. So uh, what teams do you guys like playing in, in week one? Um, and I guess we'll start with that, and then we can transition into maybe more specific players we like. So, uh, Todd, let's start with you. What, what kind of teams are you targeting that you might take uh, multiple players from in week one? So I know some people really consider it boring and give like the term home drone to the people who just take home teams every week, but I (laughs) usually pretty much fall in that category. New York City versus Orlando, that does seem like a good matchup on on the road, and I think New York City is like the rare road favorite in that game, but just the the home team matchups that are really strong, I think there's too many there to fill your lineup with maybe more than one road player at most. I think Seattle is definitely really strong playing against an expansion team. Uh, the Galaxy are playing a Chicago team that did not defend well at all last year. And Dallas is sort of similar where they're pl- at home playing against a New England team that struggled on the road. I think I like those matchups the best. And the other thing to look out for is there's some sneaky matchups with D.C. and LAFC. They're both playing teams that are in the Open Cup right now playing uh, – Atlanta and Kansas City, which have Open Cup games on Thursday. So they might be playing B teams. So even though those matchups seem pretty strong, Atlanta and Kansas City typically aren't opponents you would want to play opponents against. But they might have their backups in. So those could be pretty decent matchups. And does that mean you have Zlatan captained up for week one? Is that what I'm hearing there? (laughs) Uh, I think I'm going to wait till the end for Zlatan versus Lodero, which will happened to be the captain matchup in the final <laughs> week last year, but those two are really strong choices. And Reed, do you uh, kind of agree with those um, favorable matchups for week one? And what, uh, what players from some of those favorable matchups are you considering? Yeah, I think Todd uh, has picked a lot of the, the teams. I might add a couple in just a second, uh, but I want to hit again on what Todd said. People may not really understand how, 
just how much the home field advantage really is real in, in Major League Soccer compared to some of the other American sports that we have. I mean, it's, it is significant, uh, especially when we throw in that we're not just talking about straight up wins, but we're talking about points from draws as well. So, I mean, Todd is right. You have to really have a good away match for, for uh, something to be tempting. And, and but it happens. I mean, every year I say this and every year I, I talk, just like you're saying, like, no, nah, there's, there's no way Orlando can do it. No, no, no. But I mean, crazy things happen. Um, yeah, like Todd was saying, LAFC could be a really great match with Sporting Kansas City and Atlanta, Toronto, Houston, all those guys playing. I'm currently trying to figure out if I can get both Vela and Zlatan into my team. I don't know if that's going to work, uh, but, you know, uh, go big or go home at the beginning sometimes. Uh, what I will say is Toronto, not pick them, but they got smashed in the last CCL game and they have to win by four at least to try to keep their hopes alive. So you wonder if they're going to throw in the towel or, or try to do something, but keep an eye on Philly because that for me makes Blake as a great keeper option plays the first game. It's going to be over by three ish, but so you're only going to miss the Orlando, New York City game as far as an option. That still leaves a lot of other keepers that you could potentially go for. And one of Todd's other suggestions, Dallas, I think Gonzalez has a good chance of being a nice keeper uh, for this first round. And we actually just got joined by another co-host, John Leonard, Soctech staff writer. John, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Glad to be here. And Hello. We're live with Reed Connolly, the MLS fantasy boss, and Todd Modisett, winner of the Soctake spring and fall season last year. Uh, John, do you want to just listen in for a minute, or you want to fire off a question right away? I'm good to listen for a moment. Okay. So we're where we're at, um, John, we're pretty much sizing up the week one matchups right now. Um, mm-hmm. We'll probably maybe go into more general season-long stuff in a minute, but kind of have turned the focus to week one. Um, so, Todd, let me jump back to you. A uh, quick question. How important do you value depth um, on the bench? You know, I tend to be the type of manager I really like to go top heavy. Um, I trust, I, I, I do the due diligence, and I trust that all my guys are fit, healthy, going to be in the 11s. Of course, you always got to check, you know, an hour before when the li- lineups come out. But um, my general rule is I like to just have like one guy that I know is going to start, and then besides that, I like to get you know the the, the the 4.0 million guys to kind of fill out my bench, which enables me to go top heavy. So, uh, but then again, there's another strategy. A lot of people like to have the automatic subs right there in the holster ready to come in. So uh, Todd, what's kind of your philosophy on that? And um, how much do you value uh, spending money on your bench? So I think this actually has a bit of a change on the first few games of the season. And then later in the season in both the spring and the fall, for the first few games, when you start with that $100 million budget, you definitely use that up fast if you try to fill out your bench or you try to get a lot of even players and then you don't have any room to get the really big studs. So I do, early in the season, tend to go with a few heavy hitters and fill out my team with some cheap defenders. Especially early in the season, I like to start four or maybe even five defenders, just because you can find starters who are 4.5 or 5, which you cannot find in the attack. And so that going with several cheap defenders, and then you can have your really high-priced attackers, that's usually my typical strategy to start the season. And then as your budget increases, then you can start filling your bench with more players to try the switcheroo option if you've done that before, or just having some options on the bench to possibly come in for high scores, but early in the season, I definitely try to get some 
cheap defenders, high-priced attackers, and not spend as much on depth. And, Reed, do you agree with that philosophy? Uh, and also, if you don't mind, I'm sure not all of our listeners maybe understand how the automatic substitution works, so perhaps you could explain that as well. Yeah, so the way MLS changed their fantasy game a year or so ago, it uh, allowed you to take a player that uh, had not played at all in a game after the first game locked and replace him with someone from your bench who had also not played. Uh, so so that was very handy. And this has evolved over time, especially last year. It used to be you had to line them up into the specific order, one, two, three, of how you wanted to come off. And now the new system will just take the highest scoring person off your bench. So this is involved, has uh, evolved into keeper-roos or switcher-roos that we have, auto-roos, depending on uh, the flavor of the actual transfer that you're going for. But you can have a player on your field who will not play, guaranteed will not play. Ideally, he'll be a player that plays in one of, if not the last game of the round. Then you'll have two, maybe three other players on your bench, uh, at, at least two, that will play before that player. And it lets you see their score before deciding if you want to let the highest person automatically sub in, or if you want to replace your your scrub field player with someone who might get some points. Uh, you can do this with one player if you're just trying to see some things. Like I was saying with Blake, um, if, if you start a cheap 4.0 goalkeeper that's playing... I don't know, for D.C. or, or Atlanta at, at the later part of the round and put Blake on your bench, if he gets a clean sheet against Toronto in that first game, you're done. Leave him on your bench. He will automatically replace your 4.0 scrub, and you've got some extra cash you can move into your into your field. Um, if he gets scored on or you just don't like his score, it's not high enough, then you can replace your 4.0 with someone that also has a good shot at a clean sheet. Uh, in this case, I'm looking at Gonzalez for Dallas right there against New England. So that's how the switches work. It can get overwhelming. We talk about it a lot in our podcast on MLS Fantasy Insider, and we've got some articles about it. So if you need help, ask us, ask anybody in the community. It's it's uh, pretty fun to, to take those little adrenaline We take those risks there. John, you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, sure. So I've, I've I actually... I haven't played in a while, and now I'm diving back in for the first time, mainly because of this podcast. I decided, <laughs> let's throw my hat in the ring again. With with uh, regards to roster building, do you pay a lot of attention to that East Con- Eastern Conference, rest- Western Conference balance, or do you tend to see yourself going where the stars are in any given year? Uh, for me, I, I think it's a little bit of both, uh, definitely with players like Zlatan and then Rooney later on and, and Almiron that were just tearing it up. Those are some players that almost become round proof or transfer proof, just that you may want week in, week out, especially if they're at home. Um, but otherwise, I think it definitely depends on which East or West is is heavier uh, as far as the talent that year. I think a lot of people were, were leaning heavily on the East last year for those players. Uh, big point producing players and we're betting against a lot of the teams that might have been out west or, or people like minnesota or san jose or orlando so uh I, th- I think that needs to definitely be a consideration when you're looking at that plus the travel that teams are going to take with during these double game weeks if someone's flying from orlando up to vancouver then has to get back to new england for a game i mean that that's going to weigh on players uh the different turf that they're playing is going to be something you need to consider so i think those those non-fantasy elements or traditional fantasy elements are things that that players may overlook if you're not used to a league with a nation as large as ours interesting 
And in looking at the, the week one matchups, which we kind of touched on a little bit, um, let's get into maybe some specific players we're looking at. And I guess I'll start with me. Of course, Latan's got to be near the top of almost everyone's list. Um, beyond that, I personally uh, really like Rui Diaz out in Seattle. Um, he was on a huge scoring tear to end last year. And he's got a really favorable matchup at home against FC Cincinnati. Um, spoiler alert, I've got him captained up in week one. Might change to Zlatan, possibly. But um, I feel confident with that. Um, another player I like is Albert Elise out in Houston. He's got a, a matchup uh, at home against RSL. And I mentioned Maxi Morales earlier, who's currently in my lineup, and I'm hoping uh, for big things from him on the road. Uh, Todd, let me ask you that. Uh, what, what players uh, are you looking at that maybe I haven't mentioned or if you agree with maybe a couple of the names I dropped? Uh, well, I, I'm on the Slitton bandwagon for this week one for sure. And playing at home against a weak team, he was just so dominant at home last year. It, it seemed like he put up double-digit points at least half the time at home. So there's a lot of potential there. Uh, Rui Diaz is a good shout. I'm probably calling Lotero. And just because I know Cincinnati, they really loaded up on their defense. I'm probably going to play two Seattle defenders and one attacker. As they said, now we can only have three players per team. So you kind of have to choose if you want to focus more on Seattle's defense or Seattle's offense if you like that matchup. So I'm probably leaning a little more toward the defense, especially because Seattle has some cheap defenders available. But I, I definitely don't think Rui Diaz is a bad pick by any means. Uh, the one other thing I was looking at is trying to decide which one I want to double up on. And I'll probably, right now I was looking at Allison Drini as a second LA Galaxy option. Uh, he and Blaton could both hook up together quite a bit in that matchup. So I think if you're looking for another premium attacker that's a way to go and how about you reed what what elite players like i guess we'll define that as maybe nine or ten million uh, price and above what studs are do you have your eye on for week one uh i'm also leaning more towards ladero myself than Rui diaz uh just because i am an fc cincinnati fan and watched that game against columbus and saw them get dissected uh by the columbus crew and and with Jossie Zardes grabbing a couple goals, I can see how Rui Diaz has a great shot. The, the problem with forwards for me, and I'm not trying to dissuade you at all because they're, they're great players, uh, the problem with forwards for me is many of them are completely reliant upon the shots and the goals to get all their points. I tend to like having those uh, creative midfielders being my captains just because they have much more bonus point potential and, and higher ceilings that you can take advantage of with that captaincy, in addition to someone like Ladero having having the goal-scoring ability. So um, I'm looking at maybe going three Seattle, but just going midfield defense and either doubling up on defense or going with... Uh, well, actually, I have to double up on defense because I'm going to go with... Uh, Blake and and Gonzalez for my keeperu. Um, I mean, you guys have nailed the the big players. I think people that are tempting that you might want to watch out for uh, Portland and Colorado. People may want to go with Valeri early in the year against Colorado because they were they were struggling. Got to remember, Colorado just just won three to one against LA Galaxy in their last preseason game. These are pretty much. Uh, the starting teams. So definitely keep an eye on Colorado as a sleeper with Kai Kamara and Diego Rubio up there. They might be able to sneak something by Portland. So, so don't be, be afraid of that. And I think I might have uh, maybe someone from San Jose 
just maybe like a Lima, because that that might be able to be a sneaky defender pick against Montreal on the road. Montreal was a bubble team last year, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the the last person that I would pick, that's I don't know. Um, I'm not really following your 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 points right there, um, but I'm looking at at uh, Vela again that I mentioned against Sporting Kansas City. I, I think there will definitely be some rotations there, and and I like his shots there. Yeah, and you, uh, brought, you brought up an interesting point. Warning on. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to give a quick warning just for on Bella. If you are going to pick him, make sure you check the lineups for the last game. I know he picked up a small knock in his last game. That is Ooh, a pretty good. Good matchup. to know. But since it's the last game of the week, you need to be able to sub someone. And now you can pick Rossi on the same team. He fits in the forward slot. He's a little bit cheaper. So there definitely are substitutes available. But if you do want to pick Bella, make sure you check that he's okay and good to go. Yeah, here's one thing I'd like to add just for anyone who is listening is MLSsoccer.com forward slash injuries. We'll get the latest injury updates every couple of days during the season. They haven't yet started it for 2019, but when I've played in the past and just for writing, it's a very valuable resource to get who's out, who's questionable and what everyone's status is. And Reed, you brought up a, a very interesting point about Rui Diaz and forward position in general being kind of limited as to getting some of those peripheral points. They're kind of reliant on getting on the score sheet, getting that assist, getting a bunch of shots on goal. And that's actually one thing I, I really prefer to the MLSsoccer.com fantasy game as opposed to like the DraftKings style DFS. Um, and reason being is just a couple years ago, um, the MLS soccer version of the game changed their scoring format. And what it did is it kind of enabled defenders and holding midfielders and, um, you know, guys who aren't necessarily playing close to goal. It afforded them much more opportunity to accumulate points for, um, you know, get, connecting on a lot of passes, having a high pass percentage, uh, winning balls that and tackles and that type of thing. So um, I really liked when the MLSsoccer.com game made the change because in DraftKings, which, by the way, we were going to talk about a little bit on the pod today, but I went and looked. The game hasn't opened up yet because, you, you know, DraftKings, sometimes it doesn't open up till closer to the game day. So it doesn't look like you can enter the, any contest yet for this weekend. But um, the DraftKings format is kind of reliant um, on that point that you made, Reed. Uh, the, the holding midfielders don't have a, an incredible amount of value in the DFS game. And center backs don't have an incredible amount of value. It's more so guys that are getting forward, serving balls in with a chance to, to score or assist. So I was really glad when the MLS soccer version of the game made that change. Um, it kind of just gave a ton more players, uh, more value and more consideration to, to be in your lineups. Um, and Todd, you mentioned that you've played a little bit of DraftKings. Do you find that, that similar frustration between uh, the two games? Yeah, I definitely noticed that when I started playing DraftKings for the first time, especially just with the the center backs and, and defense that they would do a lot and get next to nothing. And essentially a big part about placing in the money is picking the right players who are going to score the goals. So I do think that allows a lot more strategy in the fantasy MLS game on the side to pick players who, even if they don't end up with a goal or assist and still get you some points, but on DraftKings, there, there definitely is like a strategy behind trying to find who the big players are, who will boost you up. If they can get a goal or assist expect, especially if you pick ones who with a lower price who are unexpected, but the strategy definitely shifts a lot there. I'm trying 
trying to find consistent players like on the website game where you can find consistent bonus point producers and defense and midfield instead of really need to find those players who are going to score goals or get assists so they can get the big total. And John, to kind of draw you back in here, let's talk a little FC Dallas because that's a team on paper. It looks like they're going to be a pretty solid squad. But to me, I kind of feel like their fantasy value might be more on the goalkeeper, the defensive side of the ball, the midfielders. I don't know that their attack's going to be incredibly potent. So I'm curious, uh, which FC Dallas players would you target uh, this season? And how do you kind of think that the team is going to play on both sides of the ball? So for me, for me, my first pick when I was building my team is I wanted Paxton Pomichol. This we, he's looked electric in preseason. He's basically won a starting job unless something suddenly changes. He was making the New York Red Bulls look not as good as they should just over the weekend in Tucson. I think he's definitely someone I'm I'm strongly considering. He's he's a six million dollar midfielder, and I think that's a bargain for what we can expect out of him. I think he's going to contribute more than, say, Molino will in Minnesota. He might even put up some Roger Espinosa-type numbers. I, I've, I like him. I think from a lot of people, Ryan Hollingshead is a nice player to have because he's getting a lot of consistent minutes, whether it's at left back or as a winger, or maybe he steps in goal for a few minutes once again. Uh, he's uh, For $4.5 million, you can get quite a lot of player out of him. Brian Reynolds is likely going to be playing at least half the season as a starter at, as it currently looks. Uh, whether that's going to be as a forward or as a right back, we are still not entirely sure. I expect to see him more on the back line than in, in offense, but still a $4 million defender, especially on your bench, is not, uh, not a hard sell. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, someone I would be strongly considering. I think he's going to play a lot. I actually made a slightly odd choice. I went for uh, Jimmy Maurer over Jesse Gonzalez. I'm still not entirely sure that I'm going to stick with him. Uh, I'm, I'm very torn because Jesse's probably going to play about 20 games. Maurer's probably going to play about 14. They're both very, very good. They're not your all-star level goalies, but both are consistently very strong performers. Uh yeah, we've got a very interesting squad this year. We're switching from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 with sort of a dual 6 plus an 8 setup. So I expect to see Paxton Pomichol and Carlos Gruezo and then maybe somebody like Aranguiz or maybe somebody like Brian Acosta or somebody like uh, Brandon Cervania playing instead of a typical 10. I don't think... I wouldn't be picking Arangis. I would pick Barrios over Arangis. I'd pick Mosquera. Ondrasek uh, is kind of an interesting player. He's a high value, but he's never played in MLS. I might trade for him midseason, but I'm holding off for now. But I, I've got Matt Hedges on my team, and that's the one guy you, you need a Matt Hedges. Excellent points. Yeah, I've got Hollingshead uh, in my week one lineup. So, yeah, definite value from, for him, I think, at 4.5 mil. Um, it appears crystal clear that he will be starting as far as I, as far as I can tell. So yeah. definitely uh, second that opinion. Uh, Reed and Todd, we'll let you guys get out of here in just a minute, but a couple more questions before we wrap up. 
I'm curious to know uh, from both of you guys, which team do you think, um, maybe on paper, or if you look at projected finish, um, or even if you just look at specifically their attack, just a team that is has really low expectations, whether that's from a real life standpoint or a fantasy standpoint, just low expectations, period. Uh, which team do you think might turn out to be a fantasy gold mine? Maybe the biggest surprise of the season. Uh, Reed, I'll start with you. Colorado. Colorado. I like that one. Yeah. Kai Camaro, Diego Rubio. Uh, you've got a, a beefed up midfield there now uh, that can help with some of the, the service. So uh, I, I think, but mostly Kai Kamara and Diego Rubio, they've already done some work during preseason. And uh, if they're able to get something more solid in the back, I think that that could be some sneaky goals right there. And Todd, what about you? What do you think, uh, which team has the potential to be the biggest surprise fantasy gold mine? Uh, I'm trying to look and track Vancouver early in the season. They actually kept doing better than I expected last year, but the biggest problem was they kept rotating their players. It was really hard to pick who was going to do good any given week. But uh, they just got back uh, Freddie Montero as their forward. And so if they can actually get some consistent production and have some players that stand out, I could see them being a surprise. And their players are pretty cheap. There's pretty much only a surprise there since they were, what, 15 new players in, 21 old players out, something like that, as far as if they're basically an expansion team. Yeah. And, Reed, and then you've got Mark Dos Santos at the helm in Vancouver, too, so. Yeah, he's a solid coach. I like Dos Santos. Yeah, Vancouver is actually the, the answer I wrote down to the question in case you guys threw that back at me. But I think they're probably the biggest question mark. I mean, maybe besides FC Cincinnati, I think Vancouver's no, probably no, the biggest question no. mark. <laughs> No, we're we're not doing anything. <laughs> Do you live out in Cincy, Reed? Uh, I live about two hours south in Kentucky. Okay, wow. We'll have to meet up at a game sometime. I'm up here in Indianapolis, um, and I go to a couple Cincy games every year, so we'll have to meet up sometime. I'll be at the home opener. Oh, sweet. So before we get out of here, um, I want to pitch the the opposite question. Which team, Reed, do you think has high expectations or appears to have a potent offense that might end up being a fantasy wasteland? Ooh, mm, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, if you need a minute, we can jump in. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Give me, give me a second with that. Mm. I'm, I'm gonna give a real quick hot take here. I think Atlanta is overhyped. Oh wow. I think Atlanta's seen too much change, and I don't think that CONCACAF Champions League game was a fluke. I think uh, I think their midfield has a bunch of question marks now. Pity Martinez looks solid, but I don't know. That See, said, that... I've got uh, Joseph Martinez. So <laughs> That's what I was so hesitant for in my head, because I was like, ah, that game against Atlanta and CCL really put up some flags for me do i want to say atlanta Ugh. uh that's that's so tough that's so tough i probably would go atlanta honestly as well um because there are some question marks there and and so many people brought so much solid back and and almiron was just such a huge part of that team to really open up and and we know barco didn't do it last year we're, we're not sure if pity's gonna be able to do it this year just yet but um after that you might have to uh have a question mark around New York just to wonder how, where that goal scoring is going to come from. Are they really going to have to rely on their midfield or will they be able to have a replacement for Villa? Todd, what about you? 
Uh, I think I agree with Atlanta, at least in the first half of the season. I could see them in the second half turning it on after they start to gel a little more. But both with their Champions League games and missing Almiron, that's a lot of change to deal with. And there's always the hangover after a winning season. Uh, the other one I was a little curious about is Kansas City. They don't really seem to have a striker outside of Nemeth, which is not the best for like the top teams. So I'm curious to see if they will bring someone in. But if not, their goal may not be as easy to come by. Have they ever had a striker, though? <laughs> yeah, they do tend to rotate those every single year. Yeah, Nemeth was the closest thing to like a consistent forward they played. And he was only there for like two seasons. Yeah, I I liked Nemeth a lot. They Back when they had Dwyer, they used to play Dwyer more in the center. And Nemeth was usually kind of like a true wing forward in like a 4-3-3. I like him better kind of coming in from the side uh, and cutting in as opposed to kind of being on the last being on the last man as like a true target striker. But uh, I, I love Russell, so it's hard for me to predict a huge SKC slide just because I really like what he does when he gets out in space on the right side. So And, of course, you got to trust Peter, Peter for me. So uh, I could see SKC maybe not clicking on all cylinders, but I don't think for the duration of an entire season that a Peter Vermees team can really be held fully in check. So anyway, John, any final uh, questions for Reed or Todd? Uh, here's something that I've just been curious about is of the five $11 million forwards among the most expensive players in fantasy, uh, along with uh, a handful of uh, uh, Morales and Ladero and Piatti in midfield, you got Vela, Zlatan, Quintero, Rooney, Martinez. Who is your pick if somebody wants to go big money splurge for that big famous forward? For round one? Yeah. Uh, Zlatan. Zlatan? Yeah, the the home game against Chicago still has a questionable defense. Um, I I think it's got to be it's got to be him for for a good big or go home. Okay, well, before we wrap yeah. up, uh, oh, Todd, you got any thoughts on that one? I was just going to agree. Zlatan's the pick for week one, but I'm actually pretty interested in seeing what Quintero will do in a full season in future weeks. He really turned it on without being able to play the whole season in a Minnesota team. So uh, with a full season, he could be a really good pick later. I mean, and they could be more solid in the back than people expect. When you have Opara and Alonso back there, that could really just increase the value and the solidity of that defense, and it and it could pay off for the other cheaper fantasy players around them. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we get out of here, uh, Reed and Todd, we'll start with you, Reed. Where can our listeners find you on the interwebs as well as find your work? Um, and also... Um, if either of you guys have a custom league code you want to plug uh, to get people in your public fantasy league, uh, feel free to shout that out as well. So, Reed, we'll start with you. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, if you're cruising through the inner tubes, you can find me over at MLSFantasyBoss.com. Uh, that connects you with the podcast that I do, MLS Fantasy Insider. Uh, you can also check out r slash fantasy MLS, the Reddit subreddit, and that's where you can find my league code for both MLS Fantasy Boss and for uh, there's the subreddit league. We give away prizes, uh, MLS gift cards, $50, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. We've got prizes there. And then you can check out my writings over at, at MLSsoccer.com. I'm going to be doing something a little bit different this year. Uh, we'll announce that later on, but uh, that's where you can find me. 
And Todd, what's your fantasy team name this year? And where can our listeners find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, so I'm not lacking a little originality. I'm bringing back the team name is Boycottomo6 for my team name in the standings. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to see me occasionally pop up and also see other people with really good advice, uh, the MLS Fantasy Boss Discord chat has a lot of people who tend to place high every year. I've learned a lot by reading their advice, and I've started chiming in more myself. So that's a good way community to find people what see what they're thinking about each week for their fantasy picks. And our listeners, I encourage all of you to jump in the Sock Takes Fantasy League. Um, it is not a head-to-head league because I believe there's a, a restriction on the number of teams, so we don't like to restrict it. It is a public league open to everyone, a total points league. And the code, if you want to join, is 3 c 2 ZLE9M. Uh, if you didn't get that clearly, check out socktakes.com. There's a post titled Join Socktakes' 2019 Fantasy League with the, the, the direct link to join as well as the code. Um, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to our guests, Reed Connolly and Todd Modisette and my co host, John Leonard. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. This has been episode 60 of the Sock Takes Pod. Until next time, we bid you farewell and remember to watch plenty of footy.